This is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm Mac Pritchard, your host and publisher of Max List. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ben Forstag, our managing director, and Jenna Forstrom, our community manager. This week, we're talking about why your resume might not be getting you interviews. Our show is brought to you by Hack the Hidden Job Market, the new online course now available for MaxList. As many as 8 out of 10 job openings never get advertised. Is your dream job one of them? Learn how to uncover hidden jobs and get noticed by the hiring managers who fill them. Visit maxlist.org course. You've just sent your resume off for a job you really want. And you don't worry when you don't get a reply that first day or the next. After all, it takes time to review resumes and pick the people who get interviews. A week goes by, then another, and finally it's been a month. And one day you get a short email. It tells you someone else has been chosen for the interview. What happened? Our guest expert this week is Andrea Gerson. She says the problem may be your resume. You may be doing a poor job of organizing, describing, and presenting your accomplishments. Later in the show, Andrea and I talk about how to write a resume that gets you interviews, not rejection letters. It's common now to use infographics to tell stories. Some career coaches encourage people to use a graphic format for resumes. Others warn that it's a mistake, period. Ben Vorstag has found a blog post with 10 reasons why you should have a graphic resume, four reasons why you shouldn't, and five risks with a format. He'll tell us more in a moment. How do you support members of your family when they look for a job? That's the question of the week. It comes from listener Heath Paget. Jenna Forstrom tells us her answer in a few minutes. But first, as always, let's check in with the MaxList team. Uh, we're talking about resume writing this week, Jenna and Ben. Uh, what kind of help have you two gotten with resume writing in your careers? So I think the, the biggest piece of advice I ever got, and I think this is where most people, their resumes fall off the rails, is um, talking about accomplishments rather than duties, which is so important because um, talking about what your past job duties were makes not a lick of difference, right? Because that just says what you were supposed to be doing as opposed to what you actually did. Um, the other one that I've always struggled with because I'm a very verbose person, especially in writing, um, is being short and clear and cutting out the fluff that isn't needed. Um, and one of the things I always think about when I work on my resume or when I write in general is that saying, kill your darlings, right? There are some things on your resume that you think are just so precious and wonderful and you can't imagine getting rid of them. You really need to get rid of them sometimes because they don't add any value to the employer who is really the, the prime target of your resume. Yeah, that's good advice, Ben. And as you talk about editing, I reminded of a quote from Stephen King that uh, who says the road to hell is paved with adverbs. So look for those L-Y words and nine times out of 10, uh, your sentence will be stronger without them, whether it's a resume or any kind of communication. That's very adroitly said, Mac. Okay. Particularly because Halloween is next week as we record this. So... Uh, Jenna, do you have any Halloween-related or themed advice? It doesn't have to be seasonal. I have no Halloween advice. I mean, I have lots of Halloween advice. None of it's career-related. Oh, wait, no, I can make. I can bring this full circle. I can save this statement. Uh, 
on our upcoming course, we have a free download called How to Wow and Woo um, Your Employers Online. And if you are doing anything questionable on Halloween, make sure you lock down your social media profiles so that future employers or maybe even current employers don't see it. Well done, Jenna. <laughs> yeah. And for the benefit of our listeners, I think one of the in part of the course we talk about um, social media. And I, I have to I have to fess up that there's a picture of me in my Halloween costume as Gumby from three years ago, I think. But that's a very good, that shows your personality. It's not questionable in taste. <laughs> no one's going to wonder what kind of Gumby you're going to be for Halloween. Um, so yeah, there we go. Okay. Well, let's bring it back to resumes. Uh, and, and I apologize because I took us down the Halloween path. So what about resume writing tips for you, Jenna? What kind of coaching did you get in your career? I, um, when I was in college, I went to the career services and we did like mock resume reviews. So they had like my junior year, they had like 15 employers come and you went and you handed out 15 copies of your resume. And like the next day you got them back and they all had feedback. And my radical rationalization as a, you know, 20, 21 year old was everyone wants something else and you cannot please everyone. So pick and choose and check your gut and use the best feedback from the most people because you're going to, one person's going to want it one way, one person's going to want another way. And you just can't play that game because it's, it's just really frustrating when you're 20. So it's going to be just as frustrating when you're 30 or 35 or 40 or so on and so forth. So um, take the feedback with a grain of salt, focus on your accomplishments. Um, and then the big one for me was always include numbers. So just say like, helped grow such and such organization or promotional through social media. Cause that's what my role is predominantly, but it's like, how much did you grow? What percentage, what number? And just facts will always win over feelings. So. Well said. I, I have it. I picked up early in my career that has continued to serve me well is to show my resume to at least three other people and have them proofread it and look for those typos. We're going to talk more with Andrea about, other things you can do to make your resume stand out and get an interview. But we all know, and I think listeners do too, that a typo is just, um, that's a fatal error. And and the best way to catch it is to ask for help from your friends and family and, uh, and, and read your resume out loud. The error is often your best editor. Okay, well, let's move on and let's turn to Ben, who is out there every week searching the nooks and crannies of the internet He's looking for websites, books, and tools you can use in your job search and your career. So, Ben, what have you uncovered for our listeners this week? This week, I've found a blog post called 10 Pros, 4 Cons, and 5 Risks of Graphic Resumes. So, if you spend any time on LinkedIn, you've probably seen uh, someone post an article about, look at these amazing graphical resumes. Um, these are resumes that have lots of you know, pictures in them or they're infographics or sometimes they're online and there's lots of bells and whistles. And if you push the cursor to the right, you know, uh, fireworks go off. They're all very cool and like very snazzy. And I think they're really nice as well. But um, they always rankle me a little bit because I think for most people, and I'm putting my, myself out here right now, I think for most people, you don't want a resume like that. And so this blog post um, really spells out what kind of people and what kind of professions and what kind of situations want, uh, need, or should use a graphic resume versus a more traditional resume. And uh, 
they lay out 10 pros, four cons, and five risks. But I'm going to tell you right now, the shorthand is this. If you are applying for a job in which you are going through an automatic screening system, you know, these are the keyword-based systems, don't, 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 don't use a graphic resume um, because your uh, highly designed resume will not be read properly by those scanning software. Um, and that means you're just going to be weeded out right from the start. Uh, the other one they say is, you know, if you uh, do work in a creative field where uh, you know that the person looking at this resume is actually a human being first and foremost and not some computer program, then maybe you want to have this opportunity there. You want to take advantage of it and show off your design skills. But in general, and I'd say for nine out of 10 people, don't go for the cutesy advanced resumes. A more straightforward approach is the best way to go. But again, I encourage you to check out this blog post. There's a little bit more nuance to what I just presented there. Um, again, it's called 10 Pros, 4 Cons, and 5 Risks of Graphic Resumes. Uh, this comes from the epiccv.com blog, and we'll have the URL in the show notes. But let me ask you, Mac, what do you think? Do you like the the highly polished and designed resumes or just a more standard, clear, traditional format? I think it comes back to knowing your audience. So if you're going to have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with someone, I think there's a, and it, you will hand the resume to that person, particularly if you're in a creative or design field, a graphic resume or highly designed document can serve you well. If you're applying somewhere where, as you say, uh, the employer is using an automated tracking system, then adjust your, your document accordingly and um, meet the needs of the people who you want to employ you. And it's okay to have a, a resume in a couple of different formats, but I think it, it really needs to be based on the needs of the people you want to hire you. Um, and, and that'll serve you well. Yeah, and I think one other thing to keep in mind here is oftentimes when you see these resumes, they're not actually conveying information in a very... It's visually very pleasing, but it's not the clearest way to convey that information. And um, I think a rule of hand here is if you're trying to convey your accomplishments and that's the most important thing, then you use a traditional format. If you're trying to convey your design ability, maybe then you go with a more creative format. Um, but again, know your audience and know what you're actually trying to put on display with your resume. Yeah. Okay. Good distinction, Ben. If you have a suggestion for Ben, please write him and we may share your idea on the show. Ben's address is easy to remember. It's ben at maxlist.org. Now let's turn to you, our listeners. Uh, Jenna Forstrom, our community manager, joins us as always to answer one of your questions. So Jenna, what's in the Maxlist mailbag this week? This week's question comes from Heath Paget, who asks, Hey, Maxlist team, I have a question. Um, it's on... <laughs> how I can help my mom. She, uh, this is in related to her job search. She, recently, she went back to college. Super proud of her for that. Um, she had been a teacher for a very long time. She was a PE teacher, a cross-country coach in high school. Um, but she had went to school for a little while to do drafting, uh, AutoCAD and things like that for architecture designs. And she finally went back last year and got her degree, which is huge. Um, and this was, And she finished up her degree this year in May. And she hasn't been able to go out and find a new job because she's terrified of interviewing for a job. She just, it's really scary for her to put herself out there. She's been rejected for a lot of jobs. Um, so what kind of advice would you give her? Uh, you know, her degree is in AutoCAD. She's a very good worker. She's a hard worker. She's a great woman, always on time. Um, you know, how can she get out there and, you know, put herself into this job hunting world uh, when she doesn't really know where to start? She doesn't have a huge um plot of connections. She doesn't really go on network 
or anything like that. Uh, so where should she start? Uh, we'd really appreciate some advice I could hand over to her. Thank you guys for the work you do. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for calling in, Heath. Uh, I think it's great that you're helping encourage your mom and her job hunt and here are a few tips for her. Uh, first of all, she needs to start networking and this could be as easy as just talking to her friends and family about job hunting. Obviously, you know about it, but I'm not sure if her other friends are aware of her transition um, from being a teacher to being in um, CAD and design. So just talking about that, um, Maxless has a great course that just launched. We've been talking about it called Hack the Hidden Job Market. So if you don't want to parent your parent, maybe you can send them a link to the URL to the course and just strongly suggest she check it out. But we talk about all the different ways um, networking helps hack the hidden job market with this course. Additionally, since your mom just finished school, she's got a great access in her alumni association and the Career Resource Center. So chances are they know other great designers in um, the area that you guys uh, live and work in, and they could kind of assign some uh, homework, which is less intimidating, to um, coach her through um, job interviewing and networking. And then finally, you're already doing it, like just being a great soundboard um, for your mom's like quibs with job hunting and griping, but then also just encouraging her and use a lot of great language. Like she's really smart. She's really educated. She's really dedicated. She's my mom, that kind of stuff. Just reminding her what a great woman she is. And I think that encourages people naturally. And then Mac and Ben, do you guys have any more tips? Well, first I think it's awesome that uh, your mom went back to school and got a degree and changed her career. Um, I think that's probably the toughest part of the whole process here is knowing what you want to do and taking action to do it. And we talk to a lot of job seekers who aren't even at that point. And so they don't even know where to begin, right? Or where they should start looking. I think it's awesome that uh, your mom has taken that initiative and she's put herself in a position where she can find meaningful work that she's going to like. I think, uh, you're absolutely right, Jenna. Networking is the key. And I think one of the problems a lot of people have is that they think networking means something that it doesn't, right? And most people think networking means like the after work happy hour at the airport Hilton where you're glad handing and smiling and doing idle chit chat with people. That's certainly part of networking. It can look like that. But I also think uh, networking can be scheduling one-on-one sit-downs with people in the field, people who have the job you'd like to have, and talking to them about how they got to where they are in their career and sharing who you are and your interests and being frank and saying, I'm looking to get a job in this field. What advice would you have for me? And I think those more intimate, small-scale uh, one-on-one interactions can be really valuable. And it's uh, especially for people who have more um, introverted tendencies, much more comfortable uh, forms of networking. I think that's right. Uh, I, and one great way to start in networking is I imagine there are other graduates from this program who are probably came into the field at mid-career like uh, our caller's mother. And I would encourage her to reach out to those people uh, and ask them about their experiences after graduation, how they conducted their job search and, and what worked and what didn't work. And to your point, Jenna, a great way to find them is to look at the Alumni Association directory and uh, ask professors and people at the school, have you seen people like me who uh, are coming in not only into a new field, but coming to that work later in life? Can you introduce me to them? I'd like to learn from their experience and um, 
and and I think she'll find that uh, there are folks like that, and I think she'll find those conversations especially rewarding. Thanks, guys, and thanks, Heath, for calling in. Well, thank you, Heath, and thank you, Jenna. Uh, if you have a question for Jenna, please email her. Her address is easy to remember, too. It's Jenna at maxlist.org. Or call our listener line. That number is area code 716-562-8225. If we use your question on the air, we'll send you a free copy of our upcoming book, Land Your Dream Job Anywhere. That is being published in February. Now, these segments with Ben and Jenna are sponsored by Hack the Hidden Job Market, the new online course for MaxList. As many as 80% of all jobs never get posted. Instead, employers fill these openings by word of mouth. Our new course shows you how this hidden job market works. We teach you how to find plum gigs that never appear on a job board, how to stand out online in a crowd of applicants, and how to connect with insiders who can help your career. In each of the course's 12 modules, you get the tools and tips you need to get the work you want. Meaningful work, work that makes a difference, work that you can love. Hack the Hidden Job Market is now live. Register now at www.maxlist.org course. Now let's turn to this week's guest expert, Andrea Gearson. Andrea Gearson helps professionals find clarity, confidence, and a renewed sense of energy in their work. She's the founder of Resume Scripter, and Andrea has created and edited resumes and cover letters for more than 3,000 people. Her client organizations have included Microsoft, Google, Facebook, Bloomberg, Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan Chase, the United Nations, and the Red Cross. She joins us today in the MaxList studio in downtown Portland, Oregon. Andrea, thanks for coming downtown. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here. Now, we're talking about resumes and interviews, and so many people send that resume off with great hope, and then they don't hear anything, and then, uh, uh, you know, nobody likes to have this experience, but we've all gotten that rejection letter. What are things that people should be doing in, with their resumes that can increase the chances that they're going to get an interview? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, I think it can be so challenging for most people to um, quantify what they've accomplished and to sort of brag about what they've done and to take ownership over what their role has been. Um, So I definitely see, you know, there are definitely some patterns that I see when I open an old resume from a client. Um, One of the first things that I tend to notice is that people will jump right into their tasks, you know, so the first section of the resume will be what their most recent job was. And I find that that's really, you know, they're losing an opportunity to invite the reader in to read their resume. Um, You know, because really the first, I like to think of it that like the, you have like prime real estate on the resume. So there's the top third of the document that is really your chance to grab their attention and make them want to read more. And there are a few ways to do that. Um, One way is through a career profile section, which is where, you know, you'd want to have like three to five bullets that are giving an overview of your highest level accomplishments um, in a way that pertains to the kind of role that you're going for. So, um, So in that sense, that's where you want the big numbers to come in. And that's usually the section that I do last, 
So okay. um, when you yeah. work with a client, so there's right. a, but it, it's the section that comes first. Right, it comes first on the resume, but then once I so once I've kind of gone through and I get a sense of like what what a person's narrative is, um, then I can then and then bearing in mind like where they want to be, then I kind of develop the profile section. So that's one one way. So know your your goals, where you want to go, right. and then but know your story as well, right. and how your story can support the achievement of those goals, but uh, but also. Don't talk about tasks. Talk about accomplishments. Right. Don't be afraid to quantify, to put numbers in, to and to talk about an improvement. You know, if you had a hand in something that, um, you know, you you accomplished something great or you contributed to something. Um, and I have a few examples of how people might be able to do okay, that. Okay. Well, let's talk about that. Sure. Okay. Great. Um, so I know one thing that comes up a lot, especially for some reason with the women that I work with, is that um, they they don't like to brag. They don't like to. Um, you know, they don't want to oversell themselves. Um, so I think that often people err too far on the side of saying that they assisted or they supported um, instead of using more like stronger language and more like action verbs. Um, so some things to include are like, for instance, the annual revenue of the company that you worked for. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. one way to, to set the stage for the reader to give them a sense of like the kind of environment that you were working in um, or the sector it was in. Um, or maybe the company had growth while you were there. That could be something that you want to okay, reference. So pro- provide context. Exactly. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, and also another way that they could potentially quantify is like the number of clients that the company serves um, or how large the accounts are. Um, so that's another way that they can, um, to give numbers if they feel like they didn't have direct results from the work that they did. Um, and how does that help somebody stand out? Because mm. their resume goes, it's there, there's Mm -hmm. a meeting, there are Mm -hmm. probably 25 or 50 resumes Mm -hmm. in a pile, Mm -hmm. two or three people are in a small room, just like we're sitting in right now. And they're going to choose five. Sure. Sure. How how will this help? Yeah, that's a good question. So I, I see a lot of resumes. I have probably seen like thousands of resumes, as I'm sure you probably have too. And, you know, there's like a three to five second period, if even that, that you're spending when you're looking at a resume and you're saying, am I even going to devote the full 10 seconds? You know, so you're looking for any kind of mistakes, you know, errors. You want to see, did the person invest time and energy into this? Are there mistakes that are jumping out at me? Um, but ultimately, you want the information to be presented in a way where you can actually absorb it. Um, because I think people people will often try to inundate the reader with a lot of empty information. Um, so let's let's look at an example of that. I think that would be helpful. Okay. So I have a few actual bullets that I've pulled from client resumes to give an example of like how that how that could sound. That's terrific. Um, Why don't you share those with us? Sure. Okay, great. Um, so this this was a client that I worked with. Her job title was event and public relations manager. Okay, so she was working at this multinational company for a 10-year period. Okay, so on the resume, it looked like she had just had this one role for 10 years. Okay. Um, and the first bullet of, of that section in her resume was managed over 50 special events per year ranging from 50 people to 600 for company and its 80 international subsidiaries and affiliate companies, including contract negotiation with vendors, site venue and catering design and selection, all all multimedia requirements, and on-site coordination. So that's a mouthful of information that um, I feel like it's not really um, articulating what her role was in any of that. Um, Are you worried that her leadership is is not being is buried there? Yeah, her. What was her contribution? What did she do? Got it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So when I see bullets like that, my first instinct is to try to pull them apart 
you know, that kind of a bullet probably wants to be three bullets um, because we're wanting to know, you know, you, you have to sort of break it into bite-sized pieces for people. Otherwise, they get overwhelmed. Um, so <clears throat> I split this one into into two bullets, for okay. example. So um, I made her first bullet uh, to say, oversaw logistics of high-profile events on behalf of global corporation generating more than $85 million in yearly revenue. Um, managing promotional programs for international subsidiaries across high growth sectors, including XYZ. Okay, so as you do the after there, what yeah. is striking to me is it's clear that it's a global company doing international work. Right. With the first, when you first read that long bullet, uh, it could have been a Red Cross chapter in Nebraska. Right, exactly, exactly, exactly. So we want to really set the stage so that the reader knows, is this even going to be applicable to the role that I'm applying, that I'm you know, interviewing for? Yeah, exactly. Um, and also, I find that when people list multiple tasks, it's really hard to stay engaged because people, ultimately, they want numbers, they want something to orient them. You know? So it can, you, know, you want to try to keep the reader with you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm curious, Andrea, why do those numbers help engage the reader? Why do they mm-hmm. um, make somebody stand out when they do um, that? Well, I think just like on a basic level, it just gives some variety on the page. You know, it, it separates just the words. Um, mm-hmm. But then I think it also shows um, that the that the writer is probably proactive. You know, that they're that they're really involved in the work that they're doing. That they have that knowledge. Um, and I think it also implies being action oriented. Okay. Know? Yeah. Good. Um, we have some more examples for us? Yeah, yeah, we have a few more examples. Okay. Um, so another another thing that I tend to see a lot on like the old versions of people's resumes is that their bullets are either really short or really long. So mm. often bullets will be like three words or they'll be like four lines. Um, and I think in the, in the instance of a long bullet, like we've seen, it's hard for the reader to stay with you. It's just too much information. Um, and for a shorter bullet, I find that it's like a missed opportunity to quantify, to bulk it up, to give categories and more rich, like rich details of what your role was in the work that you were doing. Um, so we can look at um, another example of one of those. Great. Um, and I also, have, I also have this client's resume on my website, too. I know that a lot of people process information visually. So there is an example section on my website um, that people are welcome to follow along with if they find okay. out. Okay, we'll easier. include that in the show notes. Sure. Okay. Yeah. okay, great. Um, okay, so let's see. Another example here is... Um, Okay, so uh, organized and consolidated all internal logistics for promotional tours, including marketing materials, giveaways, transportation, and catering. So that's an example of, um, you know, there's so many tasks in there right. and not much, um, not much of like setting the stage and not much of showing an accomplishment. And I don't get a sense of what the company is either right. as, as right. you talk. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so I found that that bullet could actually be like four bullets because there's so much there. There's so many, um, you know, so many little mentions of like marketing and giveaways and transportation that each of those could potentially be fleshed out depending on um, what's the most impressive, you know, what inf- what ends up being the most impressive and um, what kind of role the person wants to be moving into. So there are ways to kind of gear that. So, um, so this ended up being a bunch of bullets. I'll just choose a couple here. Um, so this moved into managed two-month-long nationwide promotional tour, supervising teams of up to 30 staff. Um, so there we were bringing out some numbers about the length of the program and how many people she oversaw. Um, launched customer appreciation events for up to 1,000 attendees in San Diego, Chicago, New York, and Los Angeles. 
So that's another example of yeah. you know, just fleshing out some of those details. The national company, somebody who's working with people in different markets right. all across the U.S. Exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so those are a couple of examples. And as, yeah. as you uh, share those, I mean, I, I imagine our listeners are having this experience too. You're painting a picture in people's minds. Mm-hmm. And it's um, when, you, when you provide those after examples by using places and, mm-hmm. and numbers and being specific about uh, accomplishments. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a couple more examples. Okay, well, um, that's good. And, and these are very helpful. And I'm, I'm curious, what prevents people from doing this? Why, mm-hmm. uh, why, why doesn't this come naturally, Andrea? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, and I ask myself that a lot, actually. Um, I think that this is not a skill that we're taught. It's not a way of thinking about ourselves that comes naturally. I think, if anything, um, most of us are, you know, kind of socialized to be a little humbler, which is good. I think that it's it's good to not be humble. It's good that people aren't going around bragging about themselves every day. Um, but I think for that reason, it's not something that people feel comfortable doing. You know, I think that for most people, it feels a little bit icky to um, sell themselves and to brag about the role that they had in the success of Mm -hmm. a group. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And how do you see people uh, overcome this and, and, and learn this skill? Now, obviously, you're a resume writer and people can work with resume writers. But are there books or websites or other tools that people can use who might not be ready to, to work with a resume oh, writer? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think if for people who aren't familiar about um, you know ways that they can quantify some of the work that they've done, um, I would definitely suggest Googling the STAR framework. I think for people who don't know about that, that's okay. a way to kind of break down um, what types of information you might want to be pulling out of your existing resume. Okay, and STAR sounds like an acronym. Yep, STAR stands for Situation, Task, Action, and Results. Okay. So it's a way to bring out some of this information that we've been talking about. You know, the the situation is like setting the stage for the reader. What type of company were you working for? What industry? Okay. Um, And then the task and action are sort of like, what was your role and what what did you do? And then the R is the result. And that's where we we can include the numbers. Okay, terrific. We'll we'll include a link to that in the show notes. And I know... um, from looking at your website uh, and, and your blog, and, and we'll send people there as well, that there are some tactical things that come up that everybody can pay attention to. And one of them is is formatting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you see a lot of formatting problems. Tell mm-hmm. us about those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that um, consistency is so important because that's part of the initial evaluation when someone is looking at the resume. You know, they, they're deciding if they're going to give it any more time. Um, and they, you know, if you want them to be reading it, I think it's really important that it's consistent, that there's, um, you know, you're working with one type of font, that you have variation in terms of like font size, bold, all caps, in a way that's consistent. Um, Because otherwise it can be really confusing for the reader and you're gonna lose them. Okay. And I know there are things you recommend that people not include in a resume. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why don't we just go through a rapid fire list of those. One of them is, and tell us why it's not such a good idea and mm-hmm. might not get you an interview. Mm-hmm. Um, um, photographs. Mm-hmm. I think that there are some countries and some industries where that is commonplace, like in acting and food service. And in some places in Europe, it's it's common to have an, a photograph. But um, 
I think in the U.S. we have such strict um, like human resources policies that um, that can introduce a lot of um, you know issues and complications into the hiring process. Okay, what about personal interests? I know mm-hmm. you're not a fan of including hobbies. I'm not. Um, Tell us about that. Because I think that the space on the real estate is so limited. If you're you if you're including the kind of information that you should be, then you want to be using the space. Um, you want to be presenting the most pertinent information as much as you can. So things like hobbies and stuff, I feel like they they fit better in the context of an interview. Um, I think that there are instances if you don't have that much interesting stuff on your resume that you could make a case to include a hobby section, but usually I advise against it. Now, a lot of our listeners are, are baby boomers like me. I, I'm actually turning 58 next month. Uh, yeah, but uh, what a common question we get is: Should I include every job? Mm, uh, uh-huh, is uh-huh. there a, a rule of thumb that mm-hmm. you recommend when people yeah. are, no matter what their age, mm-hmm. are, are building a resume? Yeah, I usually say ten to fifteen years maximum. Um, I do on occasion go back as far as twenty years. Um, if, for instance, the person worked for a company that was that's really well known. Um, or if they're making a transition and they want to kind of move back into an older kind of work that they used to do, um, then I might do that. And there are ways to do that with formatting where like you could have like a professional project section, um, you know, because really you don't want to have just a professional experience section that just goes on and on and on. If you're going to go back further, you want to kind of split it up in a way where it makes sense to the reader, um, where you're not, you know, the, the chronology of that, it won't all be important, um, So they don't need to know every job you've had if you are going to go back that far. Okay. When we started our conversation, Andrea, we talked about the importance of knowing where you want to go and Mm -hmm. describing your accomplishments and not being humble and uh, using data, specific numbers, and and painting that picture of the company and and your role in it. Tell, tell us more about organization. You you suggested a, a section up front. Mm-hmm. How just tell us about the rest of the structure of the mm-hmm. resume. What do you recommend yeah. th- that's going to help people get those interviews and mm-hmm. move to the top of the pile? Mm-hmm. Well, what I find so to be so interesting about resumes is that I think people want to find like what is the right answer. You know, what is like they they look at it in black and white terms and. For me, what I find really fun about developing resumes is that um, it's actually really a case-by-case thing. You know, I think you can really use the options to your advantage depending on what you want to highlight and emphasize. Um, so, like, for instance, someone who is an executive, um, they might have, like, a bigger, the bigger, a bigger career profile section at the top um, and then not have, like, a, a section of bulleted keywords because okay. they might not need that. So I can hear our listeners uh, saying to themselves, well, how do I know? Is that driven by their goals? Um, It's driven by the type of role that they want to move into and whether whether their resume is gearing them for that effectively. So whether they have a lot of like pertinent keywords already, Hmm. but if they're moving into a field where they don't have that much experience or maybe they're kind of their recent graduate or something, then it can be useful to have a section of like core competencies in the resume right under the profile, which is like, it could be... Like I usually do them as three columns of three bullets each, which is you know to bring in language that might otherwise not um, come across in the applicant tracking systems. So that I find that to be a useful tool if someone is making some kind of a transition okay. to pull in industry language. Great. Yeah. Well, this has been very helpful. Uh, tell us, Andrea, what's coming up next for you? You know, um, it's been such a whirlwind this past year in terms of like I've been taking on a lot more clients on the West Coast, and so I've been 
trying to move away from like just resume writing. So I started to do um, a lot more virtual coaching, which I really enjoyed. And a lot more just like writing articles to try to like share strategies with people because I think resume writing is something that people really struggle with. Good. Well, your, your tips have been very valuable. Thank you for joining us today. And sure. people can learn more about you and, and your business by visiting www.resumescriptor.com. Andrea, thank you for being on the show and for coming downtown. Sure. Thanks so much for having me. We're back in the MaxList studio with Jenna and Ben. Uh, tell me, you two, what were some key points you heard Andrea make? Jenna? I uh, really liked her point um, in her examples. Like she was sitting in this office, I will testify to this, with like different resumes that she was pulling out pieces and it just showed how well prepared she was for this interview, which is a podcast interview, but you should be as prepared in a real interview for a job. Just kind of spoke really succinctly and then obviously she's a resume writer so she's got really good examples but just that idea of like taking one line that might be like jam-packed with a whole bunch of information and like slowing down and breaking it out because um as a community manager people send me resumes a lot and I'm just like all right I know that I'm not in your industry but I have no idea what this one sentence means so either is it industry specific or how can you like dumb it down for the HR person to be like, oh, I like you and I like what you're telling me, even though it's not exactly industry specific, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Ben? I'm going to go back to what I said before, uh, which is about uh, trying to cut down on the flowery language. And along the same lines of what Jenna said, of make your application or your resume approachable and understandable. And if that means cutting it down and making it simpler bullets, shorter bullets with a clear understanding of what what you did that way rather than long drawn out sentences with lots of clauses and lots of adverbs and things like that. Um, again, something I need to work on. And I think Andrea did a really good job of highlighting uh, how three bullets can be stronger than one really long one sometimes. I loved her before and after examples. And as I listened to her speak, I the picture that she was painting in the after uh, examples were very different than what you got from the from the before, which showed the benefits of, of the re- recommendation she was making. I The key point for me was I liked her emphasis on uh, just thinking about the strategy when you sit down to write your resume. Where do you want to go? What accomplishments do you have that will help s- support that case? And, and how do you document it through data or numbers or brand names? Uh, and being as specific as you can. And above all, it's not a time to be humble, and that's hard for many of us. We're taught to be modest, uh, um, uh, not only people from the Midwest like me originally, but just people in general, it's a good quality to have. But as Andrea says, you know, you don't wanna be humble when it comes time to write your resume. Good, well thank you both, and thank you Andrea for joining us here in the studio. And thank you our listeners for joining us for today's episode of Find Your Dream Job. If you like what you hear, please sign up for our free weekly newsletter. In every issue, we give you the key points of that week's show. We also include links to all the resources mentioned, and you get a transcript of the full episode. If you subscribe to the newsletter now, we'll send you our job seeker checklist in one easy-to-use file. We show you all the steps you need to take to find a great job. Get your free newsletter and checklist today. Go to maxlist.org 
slash podcast. Join us next Wednesday when our special guest will be Julie Broad. She'll explain how you can make the most of your personal brand in a job search. Until next time, thanks for letting us help you find your dream job. 